Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 270. Uh, we've got an amazing episode for you on this Thursday night. You know this uh, gentleman here from around the community. You may have even heard him on uh, Grow Room 420 uh, community videos last week. Uh, Chad Westport, how you doing tonight? Tell us where we can find you and tell us how you're doing tonight. Dude, I am doing pretty freaking fantastic. Thank you, Eagle. I appreciate it. Um, you can find me on forums. I am kind of an oddball. I don't have uh, an Instagram, a Facebook, a, a YouTube even. I really kind of just try to focus myself on the community and answer questions. Like, that's my that's my thing. Is I like to help new growers in that aspect. And it's a heck of a lot easier to go to them than have them come to you. So find me on some forums that like you mentioned that growroom420.com i love that place so that's a good spot to find me if you need we're done we're done any chance that you're a member of uh the mj coco dr mj coco's coco for canvas forum there's good guys over there as well there are i have found some very very freaking smart people over on that forum that i have learned from and that i was excited to bounce information off of so yes i am on that uh the mj coco forum good just hate to leave any good ones out there you know i've actually <coughs> kind of got lost in the forums there for a while man i used to be a heavy user of the forums and then when like kind of the big scare went down like right around 2010 when facebook decided to crack down and lost some of the other ones the dank den and a few other ones that i was participating in mass roots and a bunch of other goofy stuff was getting taken down on the daily i kind of just got away from it for a while and then uh dr mj coco came on was you know threw that one out there i signed up for over there i was like man it's i forgot how nice the forums actually are as far as uh being able to chat one-on-one -on -one and keeping a good grow journal for yourself it's a definitely a nice option for sure it is it's definitely nice to be able to catalog some of your work in that aspect and kind of have it you know, somewhat safe from, you know, you're not going to get your page pulled or anything like that, like a lot of people are going through today. Um, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of forums throughout the history. There's, you know, like the Icy Meg, I've kind of just looked through that one. There's the Overgrow. There's been a lot of the forums throughout the days. And I, you know, I wasn't really a part of those. I was, uh, my life before weed, weed has always been in my life since I was a young kid. Um, but I always kind of say my, my life before weed was music and audio. Uh, for a long time, uh, I did DJing and music production and worked in that aspect. And a lot of my social media, I guess you would say attention was focused on that. So you know, I did have a lot of individual pages. I actually had done social media professionally for an audio company, which is probably another reason why I don't do it myself right now. Uh, don't do anything you love for a living sometimes. But uh, so I was involved in those, those type of uh, social medias and forums back then. Didn't really get on the cannabis forums till really 
earlier this year. You know, I've done a lot of work. Uh, I had a website. I had a business when cannabis was still in its medical phase here in Washington, um, basically trying to educate seniors. That was that was my target market. There, you've been through a medical system. There's a lot of things that um, can get overstated. So anyhow, sorry, back to the point. Yeah, a lot of good forums out there. And I do look for ones where people, you can have an intelligent conversation. And I'm happy to have found, you know, like a good handful of them where you can exchange ideas and not get called names. People are open to learning. You have to be open yourself. And it's just great. It's really more of a community thing that I have searched out and I've happily found. And, you know, again, here, this is, you know, chat crew here is I kind of consider part of family now too. It's great. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Canvas definitely can uh, change your life. That's for sure. And some of the best people I have found some of the best friends I have found have came straight out of the canvas community. That's for sure. Some of the people that I would uh, trust more than anything I found right here in the, this great community. That's for sure. Yeah. I was, I was thinking earlier, you know, just, and this was a couple, I don't know, probably a week or so ago, just listening to this show. And, you know, I listened to a lot of other shows, but this show in particular, I have uh, experience working at the dispensaries out here and it's, it's highly probable that you know people that are coming into these dispensaries never had a dealer like back in the old days there dude you couldn't get it anywhere you had to have a dealer and one of the things that i kind of almost am bummed that people are missing out in that that aspect but this kind of reminds me of it is like those conversations that you'd have on your dealer's couch like you would meet people from all different like schools or walks of life, somebody who you might not necessarily say hello to if you pass them on a street. But when we're all in here or you're all on the dealer's couch, dude, you got something in common. It's like all good vibes. And that just spawns a lot of creativity and shit like the rabbit hole, man. Just deep conversations. It's pretty great. So yeah, the dealer's couch experience. I don't know if kids are going to grow up without that today. What do you think? Yeah, probably so. They probably will not because they don't let you hang out like that in the dispensaries or in provisioning centers like that. That's for sure. Another thing I think is funny about uh, what you're saying there is they'll never know, probably never know what the front is all about. <laughs> yeah. Front me, bro. I'm good for it. Front me. Two weeks later. Where, where's, where's, yeah. <laughs> It was uh, always nice about the your guy there. You know, if you were in a pinch, you could always come on, man. Till Friday, man. All right, all right. Yeah. You do, I, I, I doubt you'll find a provisioning center to uh, to let you go till Friday these days. No, they don't take credit, man. Shoot. Although there were a couple times we had dollar joints where we're just like, that guy needs a joint. I'm tossing in a buck for you, buddy. But yeah, that that uh, that's that's a fun experience. So it's cool getting to meet all kinds of different people on the forums. And like I was saying, you know, I like helping out. That's kind of why I seek out the forums where you can have these good conversations. But 
there's a lot of new growers and especially with the, the lockdowns and people need a new hobby, a lot of new growers, a lot of things that people just, you know, you don't know something until you know it. You can't fault somebody for asking a question that you've heard a thousand times, but yeah, a lot of new growers out there. So it's fun for me. I gotta agree with uh, Ian there. That he says the dealer's couch sounds like a good talk show name. And it does too. <laughs> I'm almost jealous of it, to be honest, now that I hear it like that. I'm like, man, that would have been a good fucking name. <laughs> so, just, just so you guys know, I'm launching a new YouTube channel. It's called The Dealer's Couch, Chad Westport. You're debuting on YouTube tomorrow. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, good one, Ian. Be a good name, though. Yeah, that'd be a great name, for sure. Yeah, it's con the conversations are fun, so I wanted to jump in here. And, you know, I'm all happy to talk about anything, you know, just the Washington. It, it was medical. We had a really cool medical system here, and it got abused. It went recreational, and the good medical went away. I don't know. I kind of think that's how Michigan has gone as well, yeah? So when you say abused, what do you mean? Um, it came to a point to where if you had like a hangnail, all you had to do is basically have $200 and you could get a card. So Washington state, I think it was 98 or 96 that we've actually had a medical system, but there was absolutely no outline in that till around, I don't know, I think 2008 or so. So there wasn't really much protection or guidelines of personal possession, things of that nature. Uh, in 2000, it was either 2009 or 2010, the laws changed to where you still had to have a, a recommendation from a doctor, but it didn't necessarily have to be a doctor. So they changed it to if you were like a RN, uh, LN, uh, a couple different medical certifications that you can now write prescriptions. So when that happens, you saw a lot of people set up businesses overnight writing medical recommendations. And it was literally as easy as having the money in your pocket to get a card, which kind of sucked because there's a lot of people out there who legitimately had conditions and who could, you know, really fit the bill of needing a medical program uh but that you know it was still all fine in that stage people were getting away with that uh but then people started stacking cards as far as collectives as a medical patient in the old system you could have up to 15 plants per license they would call your prescription so i could have 15 plants my wife could have 15 plants uh if jim down the street has one well he could sign his recommendation to me and pretty soon I have, you know, a 2000 square foot warehouse growing medical cannabis. That's where it kind of got abused is it just went it went overboard. And like anything, people will kind of take advantage of the system. And we were no different here, but it does suck because the, there was a lot of beauty in the old system, a lot of uh, protections and rights for cardholders that now are just the only incentive to having a card out here is the ability to grow at home because we are one of the uh, only states that has recreational cannabis that doesn't allow for home grow. 
So you have to have a medical card to grow. You typically get six plants, 15 on certain conditions. Uh, and then you save taxes at the dispensary. Really, those are the only advantages and a higher personal possession, but there's not much advantage to it these days. Uh, in that aspect, I could say, yeah, kind of. We've abused the system a little bit. It is kind of easy to get a card a little bit. But, you know, kind of funny to say, but the last time I went in to get mine renewed, <clears throat> it was in um, like a dispensary, a provisioning type center where they were renewing patients. And the, the, the position that uh, I had that day fucking made it any, I, I know for a fact he was popping people in and out of there like all day long. And there was just something I have, you know, I'm bald. I have maybe, a, in some people's opinion, uh, some cop features, if you will. <laughs> but but this guy put me through the friggin' ringer, man. Oh, yeah, I really believe he thought, you know, I was like undercover or something. And just, you know, really put me through the wrenches that day. Where everybody else I noticed that were going in and that day were like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, in and out. And now I'm in there for a half hour. I'm like, man, come on. It's because of the bald head, isn't it? <laughs> you probably made that guy sweat. He clinched the second you walk in the door. He's like, I've, I've been waiting for this day. Oh, you could pretty much, yeah, that was the look he had on his face. And I'm come thinking just the opposite. Come on, man. Can you get me out of here real quick? I've been in line all day. Right. But yeah, it was, I almost felt violated because uh, I knew everybody else. I was like, well, why am I being picked on? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just being respectful of your time. Yeah, I always kind of chuckled too. Every year when I would get it renewed, it was a new business name on their license. But hey, I wasn't going to ask. Yeah, I actually had it pretty good there for a while. You know, I actually didn't even leave the house for many, many years to go get mine. I actually, in 2008, here in Michigan, I helped uh, start the CRI, the Cannabis Research Institute. And uh, it only went for about a year, year and a half. And that was for here, it was way, way ahead of the game. It was one of the first places here in Michigan that offered like a farmer's market. We had a doctor, we had a game room on uh, Fridays and Saturdays. Well, we had the, always had like a dispensary's like farmer's market, you know, wow. where the caregivers could come in and, uh, do their thing but on weekends we had it set up to where you could actually bring in like clones and it was like a real kind of like flowers market and you know we had a workout area and some other stuff but in the end it, you know the township fought us tooth and nails which uh created a lot of problems with everybody that was putting it in there but we had a doctor that uh that was associated with the club there and then from then on out, it was, uh, I just actually had him come to my house <laughs> and I would do like small, small groups at my house there every year. And, uh, it wasn't until I kind of moved up here that I actually had to start going down to him, but actually the last time he offered to come up, but I can't remember, just didn't make, uh, it was 
had a tough time getting the group together, so I ended up just kind of popping in on somebody else. But yeah, it was a pretty sweet deal there for a while. That is cool. That was something that I would love to see. We never had any of the social aspect to it up here. It's There's never been really any clubs that you could go smoke at. Um, Vancouver, BC, that's the closest uh, place where you could go up and, you know, smoke in a cafe and do all that stuff. But the old medical system here, you, you kind of mentioned there, you know, a true like farmer's market where you could go pick up cuts and stuff. That was another thing I loved about the old system. And that's where I got a lot of my, you know, cuts. A lot of my strains was from the medical dispensaries. They had ooh, just a, a great selection too. And this was 2010. So it wasn't, you know, I, I'm not trying to like offend anybody, but it wasn't cookified yet. There's no, no cookies into anything. So it's nice to have a lot of things that were kind of pre that timeline to play with and to work with and to still, still grow and smoke. I enjoy that stuff. Do you have, what, do what, well, I didn't even ask you, do you have some cannabis you're fixing to chief on over there? As I'm thinking about rolling someone up myself. <laughs> yeah, I do. I actually loaded. I've got some pre-98 Bubba Kush that I bought at a store. That's not one that I had myself, but standing by, I've got some Afghani one that I that I grew myself. So might toss some of that in too. That one that's fun. It, it's it's a old, it's a older, you know type of weed it definitely i don't think it has as high as a, a thc percentage to it um it's not as loud as you'd say with the terps but it definitely has a good stone to it it, it has kind of a behind the eyes punch to it and, and i dig that so i'm into the into the older stuff in that aspect and trying to see what it's going to do with some of the newer stuff and you know, play mad scientist, fun, fun things, fun times. How, how about yourself? What are you smoking on tonight, Eagle? I am smoking on a little bit of a uh, Starfighter. It was uh, the last one out of four. You know, I'm almost, you know, it's not bad, but I was, I had high hopes. You know, I, I got a soft spot for the runts. The misfits i guess if you will yeah and uh that's what this one was man she took forever to kind of come up and she was just when she pushed her way up when she was like six inches tall you could just tell she was going to be a bush you <laughs> know what i mean which was total different structure than the other three and i thought to myself oh you're the special one i'm gonna keep you yeah. <laughs> so the other three came and went, and they were happy. They were decent. I wasn't going to brag about them or nothing, but they were decent. And but I still had hopes about the old short bushy girl there, and I put her into flower, and I was all excited. She had pretty much exhibited all the traits that I would look for in a nice keeper. And then uh, I pulled her down about a week and a half ago, and it was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> every. Everything was pretty, but man, there there was no like keeper traits there. I mean, she wasn't like super frosty, you know. She tasted yeah. all right as far as the buzz goes. It was like I was just 
waiting for a creeper. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it never happened, though. It never happened. So now, rather than, uh, you know, pass it on to my patients, I'm just going to cheat the fuck out of it. Yeah. It yeah, it's good, good to roll that stuff up and have, have a little bit of fun. That's another thing that was cool about having, like, a med card. And with, with that limit, you could produce a little bit more than you need. So you get the opportunity to play around to make, like, well, I want to try a tincture. I want to try candies. I want to try whatever. A freaking hair straightener with some... Oh, God. I can't even think of the paper name now. Not the wax paper. I don't know why I'm blanking it. Probably because I'm smoking. Archment. Thank you. Yes. You're free to, like, screw up some weed if you want to. (laughs) Which is, which is. Yeah. I was actually sitting out there at the kitchen table earlier today, and I've got, you know, some trim and some baby nugs laying around. I was thinking about making some hash, and I was thinking about fucking ice and all that good shit. And I thought, oh, fuck, I don't need no ice. I was thinking to myself that, uh, you know, hell, it's going to be like 25 tomorrow. I'm like, man, it's wintertime here. You know, all I need to do is fucking put the overhauls on and fucking go outside and make hash yeah, <laughs> is all I need to do. And so I think that may be something I do this weekend, just set up on the back porch and fucking just make some really outside, outdoor cold, cold hash. See how that turns out. Yeah, probably going to turn out beautiful. That's like, that's a, one of the best things I can recommend anybody do with their trim is make some bubble hash with it. You know, I used to just roll it into joints or you can turn it into butter and cook with it. But I bought some bubble bags not too long ago, just a cheap set on Amazon. I'm not going to, you know, go hard and buy the washing machine and all that stuff. But yeah, I kind of just save up my trim throughout the year. And I want to start in my mind now that I've done it and I've liked it. And I saw, you know, just like, woo, this stuff is fun to have. Um, I want to try making it just like an annual winter thing, maybe a New Year's thing every, you know, New Year's. Like you're saying, it's when it's cold outside, you don't have to have as much ice. But yeah, if you save up your trim and you got some frosty flowers, I was amazed at what you pull off of just your trash, basically. It's a great thing to do. I try to use all the plants if I can. Definitely. There's so much to use of the damn thing, you know. Actually, you know. The roots are actually usable. I mean, I've actually seen people, and I again, I don't suggest this, but uh, I have seen it. Uh, people actually washing stems to make uh, to hash out of. I've also seen people use uh, stems to make like a herbal tea. You know what I mean? Just kind of breaking some up and putting them into their uh, their little tea thing there and fucking drinking it, but. You know, they, it, 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 the whole damn thing really realistically is usable. I've actually seen people uh, just take the shade leaves, not even decarboxylate them or anything like that, and make them into uh, smoothies and swear. Swear, it was, uh, what do you call it, the Voodoo Gardener there. Yeah. John from the Voodoo Gardener. Yeah, him and uh, the, boogie board, the Boogie Brew guy there. 
one of their episodes, they made smoothies out of uh, the, the just the fan leaves, the shade leaves, earlier in the day, and they were both tore up through that video. And they kept referring to it too. I can't believe I'm this high from you know just a, a smoothie. Wow, shade leaves. Okay, I don't know if they tossed any hash in there or not, but yeah, I had those. Oh, no, they said straight up just leaves. Wow. Okay, I gotta, I gotta try that. There was a girl that I worked with, and she had uh, uh, some like stomach issues, and she would always ask for the fan leaves so she could juice them. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I freaking just, you know, compost these things anyhow. So. I'd give her just a grocery bag full and she'd be stoked. And I'm like, all right. So, huh, I got to try that. Never, never went that route. Yeah, actually, uh, Tribal Gardens up there in uh, Canada, who I actually posted his audio uh, podcast of his, uh, his interview today. But he uh, juices them. Yeah. He actually makes a juicer and he, like, juices them into uh, ice cube trays and then freezes them and then just kind of pops them into, you know, whatever he's drinking and well, helps for the long-term storage. But man, he, he had a fibromyalgia was one of his problems. And uh, man, he said it was like night and day after starting to juice that he noticed he had like problems with his fingernails and like loose teeth and stuff like that. He said within a week or so of you know juicing that he could notice the teeth firming up and uh, you know wow. the strengthening in his fingernails and a lot of pluses into the juicing uh definitely something i'm interested i haven't done i haven't made that tipping point yet but it's you know it's something that's definitely on the radar yeah the more and more things like that that i hear it's you know it just more and more supports my belief of just whole plant medicine and like i'm a big flower guy i love smoking my flower i have no problems with other methods of you know dabs whatnot that's cool but i really like the flower for me it just the other like a, a vape pen definitely getting me stoned dabs are definitely getting me stoned they're getting me you know like really stoned but there's just something subtly different in my body. It, everybody, you know, again, everybody's body is going to be different. That's kind of like the juicing the leaves and my friend. I'm like, okay, if it works for you, that's, I'm happy. I don't think it'd do shit for me, but I'm happy for you. But yeah, just with, with my body, that, that whole plant medicine, there's something to it. There's just like, nobody's been able to like nail it down into a solid argument yet for me, but there's just something to it. Yeah, there is something to it, you know, just plant medicine in general, I think is something that needs to come, you know, back a little bit more, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to, yeah, I hate to say this too, I, I said this to somebody today that, you know, I just, I, I don't like doctors, <laughs> I, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one, but, you know, I try to avoid them whenever I can, so, if I can find something special, natural, that uh, can make me feel better, I, I go that wrong. You know, to be honest with you, one of my first go-tos, I take a, a 
vitamins, of course. I try to get much of my vitamins that I can from fruit. But if I get sick, one of my first things I grab is honey and one of them palm drinks. You know, a pomegranate fruit, it's the, you know, the palm drink. Man, a good fucking bottle or, you know, one of those bigger bottles of that palm shit seems to set me right every damn time. Although I don't know what uh, flavonoids and all that stuff that are in that palm drink, but man, that thing packs a, a hell of an uh, immune system spike for me anyway. It tends to knock whatever out. Almost kind of like growing plants in your body. It's like you take it to the edge and it starts to let you know. And then fortunately through experience, you've got the right knowledge to add the right thing at the right time. But yeah, the body and the plant are, are pretty similar things as far as how you can approach their health. A lot of, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's great. Um, or organic living soils, the permaculture, uh, shout out to GMO, worm bins. But yeah, it's exciting to see a lot of that. I haven't myself figured out how to incorporate that into a five gallon container that I use for three months or four months. In a bed, in, in bigger, I, I do stuff outside uh, for my carrots and my veggies and all that. And if I had larger land, I would definitely be working more of the permaculture food forest um, type setup. But uh, I want to get there indoors in my little container that I don't use for that long. So uh, that's a hard one. But it is fun hearing a lot about that. I know you've been talking about that that stuff lately. Do you what what are so you? I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no problem there. I was just uh, I was just finishing up a rambling thought there about how I'd love to get into more organic stuff, uh, but try to kind of find it on a smaller scale. I right now am I just do a regular soil. Uh, there's a little bit of cocoa mixed in there. There's perlite. It has some amendments in it. But I bounce back and forth between a few different feed systems based upon which run I'm doing or what plants I'm doing. Uh, I, I didn't know what you were doing there. Or, or, I don't know. Have you gone the organic route yet? Uh, I'm dipping my feet back in there a little bit. Uh, usually I'm in cocoa and salts but uh smiley's gardens of course you know who smiley is he is uh been on my ass since day one to you know experiment a little bit with the uh, organics and finally he uh put together you know some earth boxes you know passed them along so they're here i do have a little bit of uh his like his version of like the coots mix there Okay. Uh, going in a couple of uh, earth boxes and then I've got my cocoa going next to that and then I've got another uh, kind of twist on things going right now and that's uh, I've got the green bicycles uh, ocean bounty which is like a, a, a dry amendment that you mix in with your soil or whatever 
And uh, so I mix that in with my cocoa and it's like, it's pretty much a water only type setup, you know, all pretty much organic inputs. And uh, so I'm running those three side by sides and the, the two organics on each side there that both the green bicycles and of course Smiley's makes are looking pretty good. I definitely have noticed uh, some difference in the structures of the plant versus the salts that I'm running, but uh, I'm very interested. I'm kind of right there with you. If I can actually figure out how to, you know, keep everything in rotation and, you know, fit it into the schedule the way I can with cocoa, yeah, I think I might be all in. <clears throat> it's just that converting that over without a hiccup in the schedule that may be the tough part for me. Yeah, that's, dude, that's cool that Smiley's got a mix going, and actually that's how I, I loaded up the YouTube page to try to get to the chat, but I haven't actually clicked on it to load it up, and Smiley's last episode is sitting here. So we were talking about the organic, you know, food and how it treats into your body. And that's, I saw him sitting there. So that's how I got onto that topic of asking you, but thank you for actually sharing with me what you're doing. Cause I always try to get, I like to get everybody's input. There's so many ways to do it. There's actually a lot of right ways to grow this plant. There's definitely agreed upon wrong ways, but uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I, I kind of come from like three, three minds here is, you know, like I said, is I, I like to try to help a lot of people, help a lot of new growers. A lot of times what I'll recommend for them isn't something that I would necessarily, well, I don't know. Here's, here's like a good argument. A lot of people like cocoa and love cocoa. I personally think that maybe soil is going to be a little bit easier, a little bit more forgiving up front for a new grower, just because it doesn't have the same feeding requirements. You don't have to be as spot on with your nutrition. Uh, you still need to be able to read deficiencies or toxicities in a plant, but you're more likely going to see something in cocoa if you don't know what you're doing than soil. So. I like I, the three mindsets is, you know, I always try to think of like the, the person starting out in mind. I try to keep it as simple as possible. You don't want to overload people with all the variables and, you know, different things. You want to talk about humidity and then we'll move on to BPD. Um, so I, I come one from like the beginning mindset to the mindset of like what I want to do for myself. Uh, right now, you know, it's Washington you can't vertically integrate and there's limited licenses in this state. So I'm not able to do things on the scale that I want. I still have the medical card and I'm able to still keep progress moving forward for myself. Um, but if we were able to vertically integrate craft cannabis in this state and unlimited licenses, that would be great. So I'm thinking about that mindset as well. A lot of the things that you do <clears throat> at the home uh, level or, you know, in like a four by four or five by five tent, that stuff doesn't necessarily translate to a 20 by 20 room or larger. So I try to think of that mindset too, because I'd love to, you know, have like 30 plants. I'd love to be craft cannabis. Ultimately, if we have federal legalization and everything was freaking peachy, I would love to do craft cannabis and have a roadside stand, you know. 
people will come for good stuff if it's good. If it's not, eh, so what? Um, so I try to think of that, things that I could scale to that level. And then also having the commercial experience here at a really large indoor. There's a lot of things that I try to, you know, I try to think at that level too. I mean, wouldn't it be fun one day to, to be involved in something that I almost want to say that is that large, but still has a soul. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just a pipe dream, but I'd love to find the company that really is uh, passionate about what they do and they believe in the end product consumer and do, do everything right. We'll see if that happens, but I, I, I figured it would be cool. So I always try to keep my mind in, in that world too. Cause again, I had, that experience working at a couple places here. I went to school specifically for a sustainable ag degree to have something that looked good on paper for these people. There's a lot of knowledge out there, a lot of things the traditional agriculture has been doing for generations that the weed industry is now just like, hey, latest and greatest. But there's also a lot of plant research that has never been conducted on cannabis. So that's exciting too. So the, the, just the kind of the three mindsets that I have is when I look at different methods and different approaches. And when I talk to people, again, that's why I love asking people, what are you doing? Um, just to see how and where that fits into the three. Cause if you're, I don't know, I was saying this the other day, it's, it's a quote I love like taxi driver wisdom. And if you're a smart person, you can see what's smart about the next guy. But secretly, if you're afraid you're an idiot, then okay, to you, everybody's an idiot. And, and you definitely meet those people. So I, 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 try to, I try to be the smart guy and just learn from everybody. Well, that's a good way to be, to be honest with you, because everybody is, has something to learn, be uh, learned from. And that may be a lesson of something to do uh, good, <laughs> or that may very well be a lesson in something not to do. You know what I mean? But there can, there is most definitely something you can take from everybody. That's for sure. And, uh, good or bad. Yeah, this this is true. There was one guy that I worked with at that facility, and. Anytime I'd mention something, I'm like, oh, thrips or oh, spider mites or oh, PM, he'd always be like, yeah, I had that. And then he started giving me advice. And I'm like, dude, every freaking like natural disaster in the world I mentioned, your answer is like, I had that. I don't know if I want to listen to you, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, experience, ex yeah. You, you've got to make mistakes to learn. And I don't know, to me, deficiencies is kind of one of the things that I've had to, to learn a couple of times, because a lot of times deficiencies look like everything else, so. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, that's one thing that I've actually want to, I, I like to preach when I give advice, which is very, not often. <laughs> um, is, you know, if if you're really serious about growing, and that, that is to learn, uh, how nutrients work, you know, how they're being uptake in the plant, you know, if they're mobile or immobile nutrients, uh, 
you can if you know understand how they they work and how they're being uptaked and you can diagnose what's going on with your plant a whole lot better than you know <laughs> yeah you know if you have no idea on how the nutrients are working in your plant you can be chasing bugs you can chase this you can chase that but uh if you've got a good grasp of that then you're you're way ahead of the game on knowing whether it's a deficiency a bug attack or or whatever <laughs> yeah. or both yeah and, th and those are the things that you know experience can bring you knowledge is one thing but experience is another i think if you combine the two then then that's great um yeah frick you said <laughs> you said something there um just about oh fuck stoner moment right there i'll tell you what but uh, I was inspired. I don't know what it was, but yay. <laughs> people, uh, people making mistakes and learning. Yeah. Shit. Derailed. Sorry, guys. Well, like you were saying, though, some of the, the making mistakes and learning are the ones that uh, you remember. Them the lessons that you've learned the hard way and they're like embedded in stone after you've walked through that mile there so there's nothing wrong with you know making some mistakes and learning from them that's for sure oh you brought it back for me you did inspire me but you, you mentioned the mobile and immobile nutrients and that is totally spot on that's that's kind of how i start out the conversation i'm like okay well, is it on the top of the plant or is it at the bottom of the plant? Just kind of generally f start to figure out that process of elimination. It's all, you know, that the scientific method, but there really is. There's like definite approaches, established approaches that you can use to identify things. And a lot of times when you demystify something by just giving the approach, like again, okay, look at the top, look at the bottom, where is it on the plant? Okay, is it going from, you know, the tip of the leaf to the base? Is it going from the petiole to the tip? Is it in between the veins? Is it yellowing? Is it spots? Is it necrosis? What is it? Um, but yeah, you, you follow that just kind of the, the, the chain of command, for lack of a better term, of, of how to diagnose your plants and just that in itself can lead to, to easier answers because like we we're saying it is it's overwhelming a lot of this stuff looks similar um, I was kind of a, a recent example just myself was I was feeding probably I was I had it looked like a little bit of a magnesium deficiency uh, and so I was treating that with cow mag and the abundance of calcium going back to what you were saying, you really need to know how these things interact in, in the soil and with each other and in the different pH ranges. Um, but I was adding extra calcium. It was in the cow mag because I had what I thought was a mag magnesium deficiency. So I was adding the extra calcium and with all the extra calcium I was adding, it wound up locking out the potassium. And that is something that, you know, definitely possible, definitely happens. The initial effects that you see from it, it looks like a little margin burns on the edge of the leaf. That also kind of looks like a magnesium deficiency. Uh, some intervenal chlorosis where it turns yellow in between the veins matches both of those as a deficiency. 
but you get a little bit of tip burn and kind of the, the thing that it took me a couple attempts to figure out was the tip burn, you know, you get a little nutrient burn. It's maybe just like a centimeter or two on the tip of the leaf. But with the potassium, it's going to go a lot deeper than that. And it will actually kind of turn brown. Um, depending upon how long you let it go, it can go a lot further down the leaf. So that was, that was my experience. And this was soil. Again, it wasn't cocoa. So I do know cocoa in general is going to take a little bit more calcium requirements. Uh, LED, I haven't really seen the science for it, but I believe it from enough people that LEDs, you're going to use a little more CalMag as well, but in soil, uh, yeah, just kind of watch the calcium. Could, could lock up your phosphor or your potassium there. So, like like you're saying, it does all have an interaction, and you got to learn and just learn how it works together and the experience of it together. So, pH problems are probably the most common, but yeah. Uh, we got way ahead of ourselves here, Mr. Westport. We got way ahead of ourselves here. You know, we need we need to double back a little bit. All right, I'm sorry. So you know, let's you know let's start back from the beginning here. When did you actually get involved with the plan? You know, when was that first time? You can't get you cannot. Come on here and not talk tell me about your first time right my first my first actually like seeing weed touching weed was i was in junior high i was in the eighth grade i'm pretty sure uh this kid that i was buddies with he he wanted a zippo i had so he's like hey man i'll trade you the zippo and, and give you a bud i didn't smoke pot i didn't know what pot was really at that time i'm like yeah whatever cool uh and so we traded that and then we're, we're at school at the time and we're in the bathroom and then we're walking out of the bathroom right as we did this and the principal comes walking down the hall and his little brother looked guilty as hell, ran back into the bathroom, just basically like made a scene. So the first, my first actual experience with holding and touching cannabis, I got busted right away. Wasn't off to a good start. Um, but I smoked it, smoked it for a long time, uh, since, I don't know, God, since I was like 14, long, long time. But as far as the plant goes, um, 2010 is really when I started with a purpose as far as growing any kind of plants. I started out like a lot of people, um, I had a limited budget at the time, but I had just got my med card and I had the authorization to do it. So I'm like, hey, I'm gonna do this. Um, had some bag seed, had some CFLs, uh, had an extra bedroom in the house I was living at, but I wasn't thinking industrious at that point. I just emptied out a little closet and, and put some plants in there and didn't really, do much more than that. I, I just kind of watered the plants and I, I learned that you had to change the lighting cycle uh, to 12-12 and then it would flower and, and that's really kind of what I did. So it was 2010 when I got started growing kind of with a purpose. Um, 
I'd say it, it took me a couple of years to figure out that, yeah, I really enjoy this, the, the medicine that I was providing for myself. Um, it, was, it was better than what I could get elsewhere. The, eh, well, there were, there were medical dispensaries, so that stuff was good too. Um, but then I just really kind of started to take it on and, and learn it for myself. Uh, again, with that medical card, I was able to get clones. Once I was able to get some really good strains, um, that just kind of sparks the love even further and providing medicine for myself. And like I was saying earlier, as you know, I always kind of say like audio music was my life before weed. And I was doing that uh, for an audio company, which sold in 2016 and I had a audio engineering degree which for what I was doing it's it's a fairly specialized degree it's not something that's very common in the states anymore so since the company was sold and went over to China they said hey well we'll give you some training what do you want to do and that's when I took the sustainable agriculture program uh, and that was a couple years that was till 2016 to 2018 graduated in that and that's when I started working at some commercial facilities and then stores and and just progressed that way I've had kind of a a journey as far as what I wanted to do I I know that I want to be in this industry like that's cannabis has always been a big part of my life um, I think it's a great thing for many people. I don't think it's for everybody, but I think it can bring, it has a lot of potential to help people. And that, that's always something that interests me. And so I know that I've wanted to make it something that I, I want to do with my life. So originally, you know, again, in the early medical days, I had started out with uh, that business for seniors. Uh, it was a medical marijuana, just kind of network, to try to help educate them. Um, that was good, but there's a lot of big money interests that came in. And, uh, you know, as I always say, at the 11th hour, I kind of got wedged out of that. Um, I had been working with the uh, Olympia, the Liquor Control Board, was, were the people who write the regulations. They're now the Liquor and Cannabis Control Board. Um, but I had been giving them input, uh, just unsolicited input on a variety of things. And they had reached out to me and we talked a few times when the system was switching over to the new medical system. Um, they were looking for input and they solicited me to help design the current medical marijuana certification program for people. And that was an interesting experience. It gave me the opportunity to kind of, you know, work from within. They always say, if you want to change something, change it from within. I've always been like the outside rebel. So I've, I, I started, uh, started to try to do it within. But, you know, again, 11th hour, everything was in line. I had my curriculum. I had everything. 11th hour uh, special interest came and said, well, you, you can't be an instructor if you don't have a, a doctor's degree, B, a horticulture degree, or C, one of the RN certifications, or no, a lawyer, sorry, or a lawyer. So they added that to the legislation at the last minute, 
and that was kind of my my exit from anything in trying to help with that medical side or the medical aspect I was no longer qualified in those eyes uh, that's kind of how Washington has gone and I know I'm getting long-winded here I'm sorry about how I, I came to the plant um, but just to kind of cover my overall journey with the plant is you know I, I used it as a kid for recreation but also medicine unbeknownst to me helps with a lot of things uh, and then as a medical patient yeah I, I started out with the education got uh, kind of pushed out from that side and then went into the mode of like, okay, well, I'm going to be, I want to be a grower. I'm going to go get this education. I'm, I want to grow. I want to breed. I have all these things I've done. I have these ideas and I love marketing and I love business. So I looked at these things. It's not realistic to get a license uh, in the state. There's only a limited number. They've been spoken for for many, many years uh, there's a few that are available on a secondary market. So if you do want to get involved, you can pay the fees, but you can't vertically integrate in this state. So I can't grow it and sell it to the consumer. I have to give it to a middleman, sell it to, you know, the dispensaries or whatnot. And I just, I just don't like that model. It's also what I always kind of refer to as the Amazon model. Um, shit, which is one of the companies that I worked for, not Amazon, but the company that, dude, they could lose money for years on end and they are perfectly happy with it. So there's a lot of big companies out there that are happy to lose money until you go out of business. And in the meantime, they've been gaining market share uh, and, you know, reputation from having cheap prices. So there's a lot of that in Washington. A lot of the licenses have gotten consolidated. There are no craft licenses. There are no specific breeders licenses. I was saying the other day, you know, if I could get a dedicated breeder license that allows me to run 200, 300 plants, but I have to turn over 98% of my harvest, I would do it in a heartbeat just to do a bunch of pheno hunting, um, kind of playing around with cannabinoid profiles and whatnot. So that doesn't exist. That was kind of my, my second life uh, in cannabis and my relationship with the plant. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a grower. I want to get the medicine out there. I'm going to breed. Dude, that's not realistic here in Washington right now. Uh, I, I could go to Oklahoma, which would be awesome. Oklahoma sounds like I could do everything that I wanted to. Um, my wife would kill me. So Oklahoma is kind of out but we'll wait for everything to change and it, it to go to go federally legal and we'll get the blessing and I can open up my craft cannabis and sell it on the side of the road. And if nobody shows up, that's fine. I'll work some different strains, but I, I've just been working different things, working different strains. I want to have, you know, things that work personally for my body, the best, that's really what it's about. But I know there's things that can help other people. And I also believe that's one of the things Subcool was really, really big about. Uh, was medicinal strains and trying to find the right profiles, uh, terpenes and whatnot to help the people that he worked with and people he knew. And then he brought that to the public. So, you know, again, that's something that I would love to do. Um, but it's my, my journey with the plant and my is really come for full circle is I'm, I'm back to I just want to help people grow. I just want to educate people. I've, again, I, I got, I looked at doing the educational aspect before on a professional level. 
I think that's being done um, well enough out there right now. I don't, I don't think anybody needs that right now. Um, on, on the big level here in the state of Washington, I'm just, dude, I don't have, I don't have the bankroll to do it. I don't have the patience uh, to play along with that game. So ultimately it, it's about helping people. And I think my, my soul feels a little bit better. Um, it's a little less delusional of, of grandeur in this aspect. It really comes back down to my personal belief of how this plant can help people, uh, help bring people together, help unite people like it does with these, these shows. It helps build communities like with these forums. You know, I know people from all over the world that I would never have known just because we're able to talk about cannabis and we have a passion for it. And also for the health benefits that it can bring to people. And it's nice to remind myself that really that's what this is about. You know, opinions be damned. I'm used to living in an area where it's really easy and accepted to talk about cannabis or health benefits. But a few years ago, I moved to an area where it's just, you don't talk about it. It's still kind of a taboo thing. It's, uh, it's weird, man. But that was a really, really long-winded way of explaining uh, my journey with the plant. So hopefully, hopefully I touched it for you. But yeah, man, 2010 is really when the journey started, and it's been a few things since then. Um, but this is where I'm at now. I just love growing for myself. Uh, I love helping people, and I have a big, a big picture in mind. I'd, I'd love to. Uh, be doing the craft style stuff as I know a lot of people would be and there's a lot of a lot of great growers and great minds here so that's that's kind of why I enjoy hanging out I know a lot of you guys uh, are definitely above the the basic stuff and you know some some of those questions but I also get a really good feeling too that there's a lot of listeners here that are going to have these type of questions and shit man sometimes the simplest things like I was running cocoa for a while and you know ph there's there's the more the more forums you get on and the more shows you listen to you find that there's a lot of different opinions about things some people believe in ph some people think it's a myth um i'm gonna go with i'm just gonna check my ph every time and try to keep it in a certain range um but yeah just just like talking talking to people about ph and things of that nature trying to keep it simple for them i forgot where i was going with that again damn it but uh yeah i'm, I'm getting on this og bubba tangent i know you haven't talked for a while i'm sorry <laughs> no worries no worries that's what it's about. This is your episode. <clears throat> That's what uh, they're here to hear. They want to hear you hey. ramble tonight. So no worries. No worries. Yep. Oh, Coco. See, thank you. All I need for you is, is Eagle, you're, you're, the, you're the caca in my wings, buddy. But it was. It was back to Coco. It was, uh, Coco, you want to run it at a different pH range than you do soil a lot of times. And my, my point before I totally derailed myself was even experienced growers can forget simple things. I was running cocoa for a long time. I had switched back to soil. I was still pH pHing it for cocoa, wondering why I was having 
a little bit of a pH issue because everything should have been proper and in range. And I was listening to uh, the DGC and they were talking about pH ranges for cocoa and soil. And I just fucking face palmed. I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, anybody can pull, pull good stuff, information, new knowledge or knowledge that you forgot. So what's your uh, current grow uh, looking like? You want to walk us through uh, a virtual tour of that, if you would? Yeah, definitely. I'm getting ready to switch things over here in the next week. So things are getting a little bit of tall. I like to do um, some kind of manifolding, a little bit of low stress training, uh, some topping on my plants just to, because I do a perpetual grow. So I clone it the day I put it into flower just to, you know, I have pretty reliable strains right now that I've been working with. So I know that they're going to clone. So I'll clone it, put it into flower. And that gives me about 10 days until I put it into a little, like a four by four. I always put things into a four by four uh, container just to let it build a little bit of a root zone. I find it just makes it easier to get watering and drying out air ratio easier if you go into a little four by four right away. And then I transplant them up. Um, so I clone them when I put them into flower. So I'm about to do that soon. But right now uh, in the veg, I am doing, I have a couple different Dutch treats right now uh did a couple seeds of that last time from a seed run i have the phenos are pretty dang consistent um i definitely i would say if i popped if i popped 10 of them seven of them are going to be the same one of them's going to be kind of a mix and the other two are going to be like the uh dad that i used on it um, so I'm just, I have those two Dutch treats in there right now. I want to see which pheno I like the best. Um, so I always, I have a hard time getting rid of plants, but that's something I'm about to do soon. So I want to try, I need to start some new things. Um, so, okay. So I've got the two Dutch treats in there. I've also got an Afghani number one female. I've got my Afghani number one male in there right now, which is about to go into the side separate tent with a few of my Dutch treats. Um, I also have two new genetics this time. I wanted to get some sativas and try to cross that with the Afghani number one male just to try to get a uh, heterosis, hybrid vigor, take an indica, take a sativa. Hopefully you get you know that, that bigger since they're not super closely related. Um, so I have two, the, the sativas that I was talking about are Lemon Sunrise from Irie Genetics. I haven't run anything from him before. Um, so it's kind of exciting there. I got a decent amount of beans from, or of those beans. So these, I'm just going to kind of run flower out, see what I get, see if I like it. And then if I do, I'll put them in the tent with the mail. Um, and then I also have a Wounded Warrior, which is a strain. It was a bag seed that I got, I don't know, a couple years ago uh, that I've been running. It, it reminds me of like a, a Kush, 
It's got kind of really stacked golf ball buds with almost that kind of like crown top to it. Turns really purple in the end, but it's super gassy. And that's what I like about it. It's like, I love the gas. My dream is getting some Chem 91 seeds that are real. That's like only second to getting the old Roadkill Skunk pack, which is everybody's dream. Um, so yeah, in the veg right now, I've got the, I've got the Dutch treats, the Afghani number ones, the lemon sunrises and the wounded warrior and that pretty, oh, and the skunk number one, skunk number one is new this time. I haven't flowered it yet. So this will be the first time flowering that skunk number one. Hopefully I get something skunky, but it's pretty much through veg and I'm not really pulling a smell off of it yet. So I don't have the highest hopes for it. We'll see. Um, so that's what I have right now in veg that will be going into flower in about a week. I'll be taking out the original seeds, uh, plants of the Dutch treat. Again, a lot of people I have heard this will say that sometimes you'll get a variation between the plant, uh, the seed form of it, and then the clone. You'll get a little bit of a variance between the two. So I always try to take my judgments off of clones, not the actual seeded plant. Thus far, I haven't really seen a big uh, difference. I don't know how much I'm sure there's truth to it, but I haven't really night and day seen a difference to it. But anyways, so the, those first two Dutch treats with the seeds are coming out, got a couple of the Afghani number ones coming out, uh, which I'm going to discontinue this time to make some room for other things. And uh, well, actually I have two of the Afghanis in there. I had an A and a B just again, just to play with different phenos. I have a hard time getting rid of plants. Like I'll, I'll put the seeds in there. So that's one run. I never make my decision off of the seed run. So then I have to have the clone run. So that's two runs. And you never really get to dry, cure, and smoke that run by the time you need to take new clones to keep it going or not. So it's basically three runs, which is basically six months for anything I try is the minimum that I have it running which can be a drag and can make things go slowly, especially if you don't know which one quite has the little nuances that you want. Um, but I am, that's why I had two different Afghanis in there, but I discontinued one already. I'm discontinuing the other this time to make room and uh, the wounded warrior in there as well. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, just two, the two Afghanis, Two Dutch Treats, Wounded Warrior. That's what I've got in there right now. And I'm hoping, I've been getting some pretty cool genetics lately that I've been wanting to try. So that's why I'm, I'm trying to make room in the veg. I, I'm definitely gonna keep the Dutch, the Dutch Treats going. Um, I haven't, again, smoked them yet, but they have all the right growth. They have all the right structure. They're just dripping with dripping with grease big fat greasy trichome heads that's the one thing about the dutch treat uh i'm pretty i'm pretty proud about that strain the the version that i have of it, it it's dude it's gorgeous so that's that's something that's a jar of things i'll always leave on the table for people to try um so i'm gonna keep that for sure 
again, I've got that skunk number one. I'm hoping for good things off of the skunk, but if I don't get it, that'll probably go out. Some things that I've wanted to try that I'm going to be putting in there now is I've got uh, from Ethos Genetics, there's a Chem OG Backcross 3 that I want to put in there. I'm hoping that kind of replaces because I love that Wounded Warrior, but I have it in seed form uh, that I made and also the original. So if I need to or want to get back to that, I know that I can. So I'm going to take that out. That's my current gas staple. Take that out, put the Chem OG Backcross 3 in, see what I can get there. I've got some regular seeds, so we'll pop a bunch of those, see what I can pull out. Um, also, some Temple Runts, which I've never run anything Skittles or Gelato or Runts or anything myself before. <clears throat> I've never had uh, the, the wallet for, for what some of those seeds cost, but... I was blessed enough to be sent some uh, of the Temple Runts, which I guess is Temple Kush times Runts. I just want to see what flavors I get from that. So I want to do a couple of those. And then I also have a Big Bud, uh, which I will be popping in this next run. That is definitely going to be for just kind of breeding purposes. Uh, if it's an old school classic, it has a less narrow of a gene pool and it is just a um, yielder. One of the things that I kind of see or kind of think about a lot of the strains today is there's a lot of things that are just super frosty. There's a lot of very high THC, but I don't see as many yielders uh, as I remember in the old days. And again, that's, you know, I'm playing with some of those older genetics, hopefully trying to bring some of that yield to some of the newer strains. Uh, there's a lot of other focuses that I have with it, but in particular, that Afghani male I have right now, just super, super tight, um, short internodal space, great structure. Uh, I'd love to hopefully pass that on to some of these other strains that are, you know, a bit wider, a bit more open, uh, just to see if you could to pump up the yield. So. I'll have the big bud going in there kind of for that purpose. I'm going to put it against the, the Afghani to start with um, just to kind of reinforce my, my stock or my supply there. And that's a cross that's been done decades ago. Um, but it's always interesting because we're not working with the same parents, even though we're working with the same parents. So that that'll be interesting but that's that's what's going on in my garden right now as far as the strains go um as far as some of the other things like lighting i've been a lifelong hps person uh recently this is my first run right now i'm finishing that is done with leds and i do finally feel that yeah they they can keep up if not outpace the performance uh, of what the HPSs were doing for me. And I've, I've never run full bore, like thousand watt lights. I haven't had for in, in my personal grows. Um, I haven't had the space for a light that big. So I've had a 400 watt, uh, in the HPS, but that, that served me well for many years. Um, so yeah, now, now I'm uh, converted onto that LED kick. I switched over in veg 
uh, a while ago, I years ago, I had switched from the uh, CFLs to blurples, uh, got better results. And then once I switched from the blurples to the quantum boards, the white light, much happier plants, like the leaves were bigger, the fingers spread out better they just looked like a much happier plant it was it was pretty dramatic in my eyes uh so that that has me sold on it there for veg and again like i'm saying i'm, I'm seeing just as good of if not better results in flower and that was what had always held me back but i i do kind of miss the heat of my hps right now i'm running a heater to keep the flower room hot and i'm like that's stupid but whatever it is what it is. I definitely feel that the LEDs have came that far. I'm ready to take them down. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, being able to, you know, I've got four HP 8,000 waters kicking right now to replace all the, all four with equivalents is a nice hunk. You know, as they fall one by one, I think they'll be replaced, but, uh, I definitely like what I see with the LEDs for sure. Yeah, me too. The the HPS, they are good because, I mean, they do have the right price point and they're easy to get. But once once the LED, again, if it, if it were an even dollar for dollar purchasing decision, I think, yeah, a lot more people would be with the LEDs. But there's, you know, there's always going to be people that grew up or have done things a certain way and they get great results. And I kind of, you know, people ask me like, Oh, well, what do you think of this nutrient solution? I'm like, well, if you're getting good results, why do you want to switch? So. Because there's always something, the grass is always greener on the other side, isn't it? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> It's, it's torture. There's so many products now that pot is popular. <laughs> so many things to choose from. It's hard and you got to be, you know, patience is part of growing cannabis. Just the, the whole growing it and then the drying it and curing it. It takes so much patience. But if you want to learn what a new light or what a new nutrient line has done for you, you can't change anything else in the next few months or you're not gonna know really what it did. And even then I'm that guy who's like, well, it could have been a chance. So I have to run it like two or three times with the same conditions to be convinced. Okay, yeah, that's that's brilliant or you know, that's garbage or most of the stuff that I have done or tried, it just ends up in the category of like, well, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure either way. The the switch to the LEDs definitely, um, I could say without a doubt, the, the that white light over the over the blurple color, yes, that made a big difference. But a lot of the feeding things, uh, you know, anything from like just adding turpinator or doing different uh, like Epsom salts. I don't know, man. It maybe made a difference. I can just see as, you know, the market progresses and if, if they let us keep growing, how the advertisement can actually just 
try to steer down the barrel of the whole stoner. Uh, <clears throat> uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The whole stoner. Uh, damn it. I'm really drawing a blank here. Uh, damn it. Stereotype. There we go. Uh, <laughs> total brain fart right there. I'm, I'm you know, and just, you know. The, the commercials be on all like Budweiser, like aimed towards the grower, all, you know, chicks in bikinis. Oh, if you're not growing this, you're just growing weak ass buds and shit. Just right in between the, you know, commercials on the fucking Sunday sports and shit. Fucking right next to the beer commercials. I can imagine. I can only imagine. Um, that is awesome. And yeah, you're totally right. I think Jack in the Box nails their fucking like attempt to get stoners with their commercials. Their shit's pretty funny. But oh God, yeah, the Super Bowl commercial. Do you even VPD, bro? <laughs> Do you? Yeah, that? yeah, there you go. That's a good one right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, that's funny. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's a lot of choices out there, and there's there's a lot of new things. And again, I'd love to see. Oh, go ahead. It's a lot of that, though. I can't, I can't, I can only imagine how much of that advertisement and shit like that will actually fuck up more gardens than it'll actually, you know, benefit. You know what I mean? Because so many people are so eager to. You know, want to step things up to just get that next little bit uh, more out of the next run. You know what I mean? So if people are, you know, chasing that next best thing, uh, when things spiral out of control, they'll never know what the fuck's going on because they've got too many new new things, new, too many new great things. You know, this power SI, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Oh, sure. it's the next best thing it's going to make my life incredibly different now I just got to add this and that and, uh, I just I can't wonder how much that shit actually fucks gardens up hurts more gardens than that actually helps Right. my, my current example I could think of with that is the Kangen water I do not know enough about it to even speak from an educated standpoint so I'll just start with that but some things just like at face value i'm like you're spraying the water with i don't know because it's it's a oh anyways yeah again i don't know enough to speak about it but there are there are all these crazy things that are going to come out of the woodwork and probably 10 percent of them are going to be good a lot of them are going to be that snake oil salesman stuff but that's why we need more research with cannabis uh, specifically on the cannabis plant. I, you know, again, I've studied a ton about other plants and systems and soils and all that stuff, but that doesn't mean it's going to apply, uh, you know, verbatim over to cannabis because probably it won't uh, translate over like that. And I do, I do uh, sometimes, you know, again, it's like, I love working. I feel confident speaking and helping the beginner growers. Like there's a lot of the basics and the principles and the foundations. I, I, I'm confident in talking about that all day long. I, there's an old 
one of the one of the quotes I love from my audio engineering teacher. He was a freaking cool, cool ass guy. It taught me a lot. Um, but one of the things he said and it stuck with me uh, for life is, you know, he's like, you got to know the rules before you can break the rules. Because once you learn how things work and interrelationships, the cause and effect of how the system is, once you know those rules, then you can start manipulating them and breaking the rules to your advantage. So, you know, you start basic with the plants and you try to keep it, um, basically just try to keep it simple and fuck, I derailed myself there again. This, this is good, good Bubba. I just need you to talk for a second and then I'll remember and I'll keep rambling. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I love that Bubba. I love that Bubba. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Really yeah. good stuff. I forgot what we were talking about there. I'm doing that a lot tonight. It's I gross. don't know that, man. But you, you uh, Squirrels talk, happen, man. The squirrels happen. Talk with a lot. I'm of actually going to take. We take a quick little dab of uh, Tommy Tricone's uh, two scoops he sent me there. I guess I turn on the camera long enough for that. Right? Nice. Uh, Woo. Since he's in the chat there, this is the the two scoops that he sent me. The damn thing was not. Uh, there you go. Sent me this. Pretty nice, and then also he sent me this uh, dosi sherb. Which uh, is really pretty as well. Both of them super tasty. So, cheers to you, Tommy. This uh, dab's for you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers for that. Dosi Dosi does is one of those strains I've been seeing a lot of crosses that I've liked uh, with. There's one that was, was a Dosi dog. It was a Chemdog 91 in Dosi Doe. Kind of had the the taste, the front end of the um chem dog but had more of uh more of the energy energy from the dosi dough and then another one i liked is out of oregon called well actually shit it's everywhere now i guess but it's called duct tape it's just a gg4 times dosi dough that's a great strain right on right on i'm looking to try some of these mac crosses that are floating around look pretty good myself yeah a lot of that stuff i haven't been able to find it grown very well i've had it here in washington from some of the rec stores but that doesn't it doesn't mean that it was grown in the best conditions or that it was dried in the right conditions or cured for that matter uh, i always joke it's like october croptober leads to no cure november so there's a lot of a lot of wet stuff in bags and I've had Mac, I've had Mac one. Uh had a fair share of it, but I can't really say I've ever had that just greatly grown and cured nug of it. So I, I can't really pass too much judgment on that one for now. But that is a super popular one. I don't I, I can't even really describe describe like the the flavor profile of it. And that's something that I always look for in strains is just going back to audio and being a DJ, it's like I could hear a song and be like, okay, well, this song is like that song. So these two are going to work together. Um, 
I get that with weed. It's like, I'll smoke weed and I'll be like, oh, okay, well, this is basically like that strain. Every now and then I'll get that strain where I'm like, uh, I have nothing to compare this to. I don't, it's its own thing. Those are the ones I get really excited about, but yeah, Mac, I, I don't know. I can't even put a flavor profile on it, really. Do you, do you have a favorite? Are you like a fruity, floral, earthy, gassy kind of guy? I like the jet fuel, fuel and uh, the pines are among my favorites there. When it comes to the fruits, I kind of like the lime, limey fruits. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and uh, I'm not so big, big fan of like earthy tones myself, but they do pack a very nice buzz. I find the earthy tones, but just not my favorite pro fa uh, flavor profile uh, in general. But my, you know, if I'm if I can find it, if I'm grabbing, you know, fuels and uh, pines first. Oh, I I do the holy grail too. I guess I forgot that. If, you could ever come across some, you know, roadkill skunk, that would be obviously my first grab. <laughs> Followed by the, the other two, but that one's like never, you never get to find that. So it's usually the fuel and then pines if I can get them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I definitely, <clears throat> I went through, I kind of, I'm either ahead of the times or behind the times. It just depends on which times they are. Because for the longest time when a lot of the OGs and the cookies were really popular, I was really into the fruity stuff. And that I can attribute to me getting my hands on uh, some TGA genetics and a few other things. So I was really into fruity when the gassy and stuff was cool. And I was a little bit ahead of the times there, but now that a lot of the market, at least out here, is wants that the terps, the flavors, the taste, the fruities, I'm kind of going more back towards the fuels and, and stuff like that. So I've gone from being ahead of the times to behind the times, but everything is a big rotating revolving door, whether it be music, fashion, or taste in weed. So it is kind of nice to see that passion or desire for the roadkill skunk to come back because that is the one strain, the one strain that I would love to see that would bring me back to my high school days. Um, but to, to bring it back to going back to that point where I last derailed, I was talking about, you know, you got to know the rules before you can break the rules. And I was, I was saying that I feel very confident in giving beginner advice and that's that's you know something you've done a million times you've experienced it you've learned it so it's great that you can explain it but there's a lot of the things that we talk about and that you talk about and your guests talk about on the show it's like hey i'm just as eager uh to learn these things it's like i i do kind of know these things but sometimes it's like you you'll have a hard time putting them into words or you may be able to do something and get good results but you can't necessarily explain it and that, that's why I do enjoy, again, helping out the new growers and, and trying to teach people. That is the ultimate way to perfect your knowledge. Is like once you're able to teach somebody something, you have a pretty firm grasp on the concept, uh, the various uh, angles and the approaches to it, the variables. 
and so we were talking about kind of more of some of that advanced stuff. And there have been a few papers, because again, I love to always search out that knowledge. Um, there's a couple papers that I do. It's, it's a series, it's called High Science, High Science with Chad Westport. Um, a couple of the ones that I've done lately that you know, maybe of interest to, to some of the people you've done. I know the, it was kind of cool. DGC uh, called me out, gave me some props for those and, and talked about them. But two of the things that I was looking at recently that are a little more advanced that I always love to get input on from other people is one, uh, uh, drought stress. Does it, does it increase your yield? Uh, and we were talking about, you know, how there's a lot of studies on different plants, but not a whole bunch of different ones on cannabis plants. That's where this all started. Uh, but these tests were specifically done on cannabis plants, which I thought was fascinating. So I try to look for these papers and then do little write-ups on them because I enjoy the boring white paper aspect. I understand a lot of the terminology and the methods and, like for every 20 words they use, you really only need two. So I like doing those high science articles. And this one basically broke it down. It's like, will drought stress increase your yield? That's something a lot of people talk about on forums. Uh, in a nutshell, yes, it will under these circumstances. And by talking about yield, they're meaning secondary metabolites, so cannabinoids, like your percentage or amount of THC is going to increase, but you're not going to get a weight difference, which was actually kind of amazing. It was essentially the last 11 days of this plant's life. They took it to 54 days. Um, it was a CBD-rich strain, so it was a drug type 1 chemovar 2 which is how they classify things in these studies. They don't really say indica or sativa. Um, they drought stressed from day 39 to like 52. Uh, and then they rewatered it. It got back to the regular moisture point and then they harvested on day 54. But what they found was that the dry weight in between the control group and this group was essentially the same. There wasn't a, a noticeable uh, difference to it. But the secondary metabolites, the amount of THC increased a small percentage. I believe it was like 12.5%. And this also applied to the CBD as well. Um, both of them increased. It makes a small percentage on the bag. I believe it to like, as my example, it would have taken it from a 20% per, 20 CBD to a 22.5 on the label. But on the commercial side of things, which is where a lot of this plant science is going to make the biggest impact, um, the amount of cannabinoids per square foot or per meter squared as they measured it increased by like almost 50%. And if you're a big producer that is making concentrates, dude, that can make a pretty big deal for you, just those little things. So that was a study that I was really interested in um, because, again, that has major implications. I always say these little changes that we can do uh, at the home scale or even at the craft scale, 
when, when you're talking about like a difference of 10 grams per plant, it doesn't sound like much, but if you multiply that by, we had at that facility, we had over 20,000 flowering plants. So 20,000 times 10 grand, that's a whole crap ton of money. So the, these articles are pretty interesting uh, for me in that they would apply to that aspect of the game but you can do that at home i'm actually trying that right now i posted up on a few different forums the paper that i wrote and other people had chimed in they're like yeah you know i dude i let those things go limp i drought stress them the last 10 days two weeks whatever uh and they do tend to be frostier so that's something that we could even apply at home ourselves and i'm i'm doing it right now with a couple plants and i really think there's some truth to it so that's an interesting one. And then there was another one. Uh, the other one that was getting kind of talked about was about uh, sugars and plants and how leaves are sinks and growing stems are sinks for the sugars that the root zone take up. And that sugar inhibits the outgrowth, so your lateral growth. Um, and this, again, it was studied specifically uh, on, a, on a plant, a cannabis plant, and that, that made it really interesting because if we can add sugars into our root zone and get better lateral growth, is that gonna affect our overall yield? By stripping though, you actually drive up your bricks, natural bricks in the plant, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because those-, those so When you de-leaf, yeah. Those can add- It's one of the benefits of you. Deleafing there, yeah. I, I prefer deleafing myself. Defoliating to use the correct. Yeah, I do. I defoliate the. I don't do it as hard as I probably could. Just I'm still torn on the debate of them being solar panels. I try to tuck if I can, but I'll also defoliate. And I know for a fact I can go harder than I do and it's going to be okay. Just uh, based, uh, and I think a lot of this had to do with light intensity, but at that commercial facility, dude, we would freaking just strip the crap out of those plants, like down to nothing. They would look like the saddest plant. I'd put them back into the room. I'd come back the next day at lights on, open it up. And they're a fucking just huge, shiny, happy bush again. Like, yeah, the defoliate, you can defoliate pretty damn heavy and still have a happy, well-producing plant. But I know, I know that a lot of the conversation has been about bricks lately. And again, that is just sugar. That's sugar in, in the leaves. Yeah, that's why I brought it up there is because when you, you know, you were talking about adding sugars, but, you know, by, you know, de-leafing, you're actually you're driving up the bricks, sugars, in, natural sugars in the plant up by without adding it, making them produce it itself from the soil was all I was uh, interjecting there. But yeah, but, you know, de-leafing also, while we're on that subject, since I brought it up there, in veg, I find... Uh, produces a, a way, way bushier of a plant without topping or manipulating the plant other way. Yeah, okay, here it is. I actually just pulled up 
pulled up kind of the paper that I that I had wrote and it was it was basically dealing with apical dominance it was one of the, there's three theories with apical dominance and we all kind of use that the apical dominance as an argument for why we top our plants or why we low stress train our plants is we know everything like a lot of the um, auxins the growth hormones are going to go to that tallest branch and so there was a, a new study that was done a few years ago that actually had better insight into how the sugar production worked. And what this says is going back to the defoliation, which is, is, which is kind of what stuck in my head. I'm like, well, there's something to it. But the study says basically a small reduction in photosynthetic leaf area due to disease or herbivory could result in the inhibition of bud outgrowth. Uh, and that's in particular during the early stage of the plant growth. So basically, if you defoliate early on, like really small plant early on in its life, if you're defoliating and you're taking away that leaf area, that leaf through the photosynthetic process is creating those sugars. And that can actually help, those extra sugars can actually help with your lateral growth. Um, so there's the, you know, you top it, it redistributes the auxins, you get more growth. But now another part to that theory is that the, the you know, the sugars are involved. So that's, that's where I want, wanted to go back to it. Cause I'm, I knew it kind of advised against defoliating early on. Um, but again, that reason here is just, yeah, it's just the photosynthetic leaf area. It's, it's producing, it's helping to produce those sugars. So if you do take that leaf away, you're taking those sugars away too. And those sugars would have helped with the lateral outgrowth. Um, but then, yeah, once you get into the more adult phases, kind of all, you know, all, all bets are off there. It's, it's creating enough sugars through photosynthesis elsewhere that it's fine but they do, they did play a large role <clears throat> in the shoot outgrowth. And, you know, I said earlier, I do the perpetual harvest. So I need to find ways to manage my canopy and keep it from getting too tall because it's, it's going to veg for at least eight weeks. So the apical dominance things to kind of, again, I'm trying to learn that rule so I can break it to my advantage. And one of the, the takeaways from the, the paper for me was, okay, well, if I add more sugars into the root zone, which the roots can't directly take up the sugars, you have to have microbes and the mycorrhizae working in the rhizosphere there to basically get the sugar into the bioavailable format for the plant. So you can't just add sugar water to it. Uh, but if you get it in there and you have the microbes and all of that, and they're working together. My question is, or my thought at least is, why don't I just add a whole bunch of sugars early in the veg stage? Because this is showing it to promote and cause that uh, lateral growth, you know, provided I try to keep things level and not really give it apical dominance anywhere in particular, those extra sugars are going to help that lateral outgrowth, which could help me create more of a plant. But I don't have my experience in that is your plant will start taking up the sugars. <clears throat> It'll start bypassing the system and you'll get a buildup of sugars 
in your soil there will, that will begin to ferment and turn things south. Okay, okay, if it can get anaerobic. See, that's the thing that I haven't figured out yet. And that's, you know, why I, I kind of put the paper out and I love talking to people. It's like, okay, at face value, sweet, add sugars, everything's good. But I don't know enough about the negative effects or the side effects, uh, whether it be from, a, you know, a scientist. But I'm here to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm, did that lateral growth that you're talking about there, the negative aspect of the defoliation, I don't see that. And, you know, I've actually uh, uh, showed it quite a bit uh, <coughs> off camera, you know, well, on camera a lot. Well, defoliating in the beginning there with, you know, let's say eight stages of growth or less. But when I defoliate, this is. One of the more bad examples here, but man, not so long ago, that was, oh, damn it, I got to shut the background off. This is actually the plant that I defoliated with Kud uh, a few weeks ago when I was on the air with him. And as you can see, you know, I actually stripped this down to pretty much, well, okay. these bigger leaves here. And it just, it drove out all these, these lowers here. And when I go through and rip out this top again, it will slow this top down enough to just drive these right past the top, you know, more to. Yeah. That, that this would like here, this here would be like the next stage of what I just showed you. You know, this plant hasn't really been topped or nothing. This is just heavy defoliation. Okay, see that's nice. You got it. You have a lot of nice even tops on that plant. You have a lot of main shoots there, and like the defoliation. I mean, that looks looks great to me. I always try to, you know, I want to be able to see my hand on the other side of the plant, but I don't necessarily want to be able to read a book through it either. And those, I mean, yeah, those look those look great to me. The only thing that I do maybe a little bit different and this has absolutely no right or wrong to it at all uh it's just a preference is early on i i kind of clean up the bottom stuff a little bit more but you know everybody's light is different light penetration is going to be different and i see you know i've i've seen the background of this show i've watched it once or twice and what you're doing is definitely working so don't, please don't get me wrong there when i say well i do something a little bit oh, different. no 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 well, that's the purpose of a good conversation is just to put all aspects out there. And one more thing that I want to say about that, too, is I really believe that uh, light source is key to this. You know, I've, I've grown, I've, I found a long time ago, the blurples actually, you know, I would, if you've got some blurples, I would try, you know, they veg in the, like the first stages of, you know, veg, very nice, produce short, squat, short internodal spacing real real quickly and then you know take it up a notch to the like the more wider spectrum of the led there but i just find that the led overall the plant utilizes it from top to bottom a lot more efficient than you know the other sources of lighting there and i find that even in but in flowering you know that larfy shit that we used to cut back a lot of times there isn't so fucking larfy anymore under the LEDs. The plants, even though that, you know, the 
they're not necessarily getting the same light. The plant is just sending energy, you know, utilizing that energy so much greater that, you know, the bud density down there isn't worth throwing away anymore. You know, that, that larf is definitely worth keeping anymore for sure. That's, 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 love those LEDs. Yeah. The, the light penetration is one thing that I heard about. That's, that's good to hear again. I'm on, I'm finishing right now my first full flower run with the LED. So all of my training or my, uh, cleaning up has really been based on running it under that HPS for so long and not having super deep penetration. Um, I probably will be able to make some changes and it's good to hear that experience from your end that, you know, I probably can get away with a little bit more of it. This, this next run, the ones, uh, in veg right now that are getting ready to go in, I do have one that it's more of a like uh almost more of a horseshoe or a bowl shaped training it the the middles didn't fill or they didn't grow as evenly as all of the other plants it's got a couple tall ones on the outsides looks like a horseshoe or a bowl almost um but on that particular one i did leave a lot more of the lower things now it's it's the dutch treat so i have a dutch treat that's totally you know, nice and even, full, strong, uh, multiple tops going in there. And then I have the other one. So it's the same strain. So I should expect that they should both perform similarly. Um, but one of them is cleaned up. The other one has some of the lower stuff. So yeah, hopefully I find that, that too, uh, with this, with this next run using the LEDs again, that's kind of a new one on me as far as flowering and how much or how low I can get away with having vegetation on the plant. You'll find they definitely uh, a little bit of a different learning curve there. The way some of this traditional way you grow under HPS isn't, uh, they, 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 have you vegged under them yet? Have you had a couple good veggies under the LED yet? Ever? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a total different ball game, you know. Yeah. Of course, I never really used uh, the HPS or a metal halide for veg. I went from CFL to LED in the early days. And then the LED, basically, I went from Blurple to the white quantum boards. But, yeah, I think that's something that also, too, maybe could be a little bit of a, a shock to the plant is when I was vegging under the LED and then throwing it under the HPS that might have taken maybe added a few days onto the mix there. Quicker flower. Yeah. Quicker flower time. I mean, you see, you usually see flower. You go from one to the other very quickly. You see, you know, flowers and weed too, almost. <laughs> Definitely a lot quicker uh, flower set, that's for sure. If you want to see a little bit of more of that, uh, stretch time that then i would you know give them that actually there's uh space right here that's what these are doing <clears throat> and here we go again. <laughs> sorry man I, I screwed up the program no worries brother uh right 
that's what these girls are doing right here. They've been uh, they've been uh, under the LEDs there, you know, T5 LEDs there, and that's what you know that's going on there. And uh, so now that these girls will be going into an HPS tent, they are like acclimating, if you will, right there for about a week, you know. So basically what's going on there is like during the nighttime right now, they'll be in front kind of getting used to that HPS light. And then during the day, they'll be kind of shoved back under that H, uh, T5 unit there. And I'll kind of like let them go the rest of the day, you know, veg time, which is 24 hours here. And then, but if they weren't though, they were just going back into the LED tents back there, then I would just, you know, uh, transplant them up and then just throw them into those tents. But when they do go into those tents, because I don't want that quick onset of flower there, I actually do like the, the stretch. I can manipulate and try to get just a little bit more out of the plant. I will let them uh, acclimate in front of them for about a week. Mark. Yeah, basically just letting them harden off. Doing, yeah, doing pretty much. Thing. Yep. Kind of harden that off. And... <sighs> That's cool. Hopefully, I didn't uh, throw you off there, my friend. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. Back. <clears throat> back there don't know what happened there for a second um yeah get, getting them hardened off that's uh, uh i'm jealous of the uh the space that you have there i'd love to probably like a lot of people i'd love to be doing a lot more at the moment but it's just just not feasible it's take me i was saying the other day it takes me it takes me a good couple years to do a little bit of work that somebody with the right license can do in one or two runs but it's all worth it to me. It's definitely an evolution there. That's for sure. That's the home grower. It's very addicting, you know. As you fucking clean up a space and you have the plant numbers, you definitely go, hmm, I can put something there. You know, <laughs> and as for me, you know, and I've gotten to learn to play in my numbers, is, you know, and I've always... You know, to each their own, everybody, their growth styles, whatever. But, man, when I see a, a four by four, you know, or basically, if you don't have, you know, a patient or any other patients here, your, your count's 12. I hate to see those shots where you're there four by four tent and all 12 are in that, that tent there. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. You know, space them out, give it some time, go some bigger plants. I'm actually, I wasn't, you know, I'm, I, you know, some cool is a long term friend of mine, and he always basically preached quads. And that's what I, you know, still pretty much grow in today. But, you know, I'm actually starting to take my quads down to two plants per four by four area now. So, you know, very, I have reduction reduce my plant count immensely to compared to where what i could have you know i realistically i could have 72 plants floating around here 
but usually I'm only working with like 36 to 40, you know, I mean, just to stay in that comfort zone, but I just hate to see, it helps my perpetual. It gives me room to breathe if, you know, I need to get some things going behind me, but, uh, you know, I can achieve the same numbers, just being a little bit more patient and, you know, like I've always proved, preach there for that perpetual there is if you got 12 then run 444 that way you're pulling some down every month and you know by the time that first one goes you should have ample time to let you know the eight behind it veg up by the time you're into that third phase of the game you should be in a pretty good system where four should four should be pulling you through for sure you know, for the home grower, four plants per month for just the average grower. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. That should be pulling you through. Yeah. And even if you need to make, you know, like RSO or edibles that take more than just what you need for smoking. Yeah. That's going to be a good amount. And that, that shade. Yeah, I figure if, even if you're average, you're pulling down two. I mean, that's, you know, per, that's eight ounces per month. You're making RSO and having something to smoke on at eight ounces per month. Yeah, and that's good. And I, you know, it's one of the cool things here. You go, I can't sell my extra weed to anybody, but I can give it to somebody. And that's what I've always liked to do. There's there's plenty of people I know that, that can use it or that don't have the funds. So I would much rather give it to somebody without the expectation of anything than to complicate it with money. So that is one of the nice things about Washington uh, that's kind of held over from the medical system there. You can, you can give it away to people, but uh, that, that shade response is a real deal. You said, you know, 12, all 12 plants in a four by four. Uh, I early on fell into the same, you know, it's like, oh, well, I want to have variety or, you know, I put more plants in here, I'll get more. And then I started to hear and learn a little bit more about shade response. I went from, at one point, I went from six plants in a three by three down to uh, just three plants in there. And I pulled essentially the same yield with half the plants. They just, they just had a, you know, they had room to breathe. They had areas to stretch out. They weren't competing with each other they didn't have shadows from the neighboring plants that were telling the hormones hey you need to grow taller forget about growing buds right now you need to grow taller because you're not the tallest you know you're not king of the jungle in here so it's it's kind of a trip when you can go from less plants to keeping the same harvest and i wish I wish I would have met Subcool. I wish I wasn't such a like kind of shy guy. I had the opportunity to meet him at the 2014 uh, Cannabis Cup out here. Uh, it was in Everett. It was a Seattle Cannabis Cup, high times. But yeah, he had a little booth and he was, he was there. He's probably with Jinx Proof or somebody, but they were just like talking about soil and he had so much energy and just like excitement. And I'm the type of person who doesn't necessarily want attention drawn to me. Didn't really know who he was. Oh, I knew of him at the time, but you know, the face to the name, I didn't really have that connection. And 
I look back at that now and kind of kick myself because I, 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 you know, I stood there to the side and listened to them talk and all this stuff. And there was, I was really intrigued by the person and now I know why, but I didn't just, I didn't have the, uh, I don't know, I didn't go up and talk to him. So I kind of blew my chance to, to actually meet, have a, have a conversation with the guy, which I regret now, but I, I love his genetics and I love the just the imprint that he left on a lot of people and the 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 purpose of a lot of his work and the purpose that these people are still carrying his work on with so yeah it's he's seems like a pretty cool dude man and i loved his work that's cool dude he was cool dude that's for sure for sure a lot of weed nerds in chat, that's for sure. I think, you know, I, I give him a lot of respect. And I think he's got a lot to do with what we do here and what a lot of people are doing with uh, this community thing. You know, as you notice, it went very quickly from, you know, content being uploaded, you know, and viewed to it being more about being live and, you know, community based. Yeah. And I think that all stems right from Subcool there that, you know, when he passed, ever there was a shit ton of people, myself included, <laughs> maybe even ahead of the pack there uh, that uh, felt a huge void, man, that uh, hanging out with everybody nightly, you know, being in these sort of chats here, uh, I miss greatly. And I think a lot of that, we all felt that need to maybe pick up that torch or and somehow whatever, recreate it or whatever. We needed it. We needed, we needed to rebuild that community before it, it became lost for sure. And, uh, you know, I think he, you know, he was very responsibility of building this, you know, uh, live cannabis communities <clears throat> for sure. I you know, I know. I there was many nights I didn't get shit done because that uh, notification bell came on. <laughs> I can tell you, you're repaying that one in spades because you do that to me about every night. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna go to bed early. Tonight. You know, nope. <laughs> I giggle every time I hear that because I think of him every time I hear that shit too because. <laughs> You're right. He did. <laughs> he did the same thing to me. You know? I don't know. Mission accomplished. I always will. Mission accomplished. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, speaking of, I should probably let you get get to the rabbit hole as well and do your things around there. I know I got a little bit of watering to do myself, and just one one final flush on these babies, and then next week they're down. So. I just have to do no, nothing but stare at them for another week. That's it. Open their door and close their door on time. So do you, uh, are you uh, kind of prepping them as they're uh, in that stage? Are you defoliating right now? Are you starting to make your uh, trimming a little bit easier? I've done a little bit the other day, pulling some of the uh, bigger stuff off, stuff that I could have took off a long time ago. Um, but I had just left it on again. I just 
I always love to experiment. I want to see what works best in my environment with the strains I have. So yeah, I, I did. I pulled a little bit off um, working at that commercial facility. I could defoliate a plant like in a blink of an eye. So I'm pretty rapid fire when it comes to that. So I'm not too worried about it. I do, uh, I do kind of a, a dry trim anyways. So I'll just take off the big stuff and just if any of the leaves have trichomes on them, now that I have those bubble bags, I'm, I'm going to leave those on there for the hang dry because when I take them off after, after it's hung dry, I toss all of that trim and those leaves with any kind of crystals on them, just toss them into jars, save them all for, you know, a, a particular time of the year and make that bubble hash. So uh, I don't go too hard on them before, but the, uh, the plants from veg that are going into flower. Yeah. I took them out the other day and, Again, I, I trimmed up everything on the bottom. I pulled all the leaves off from the lower foot of them. Those, those went through their prep. <laughs> nice. Well, do you think it actually, I actually am in the camp there that uh, it's actually causing a little bit, little bit of extra stress there towards the end. You know what I mean? Just kind of helping bring home that little bit of extra and making my work easier. <laughs> <laughs> Come pull down time. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely a positive side effect there for sure. Well, man, either way, trimming's gonna get you. I always say, and I, I wish I could say I'm joking, but it's true. It's like trimming's the only time I ever curse at this plant, but I do it pretty much every time. You must be a dry trimmer. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, God, <laughs> yeah. I've done them both, but just uh, I like the little bit of extra moisture the, the leaves add while I'm drying here. And again, that's just going to be dependent, different for every climate that you're in. So some people don't need it. I like having the little bit of extra leaf to slow down the drying to about 10 to sometimes 14 days before I clean it up and, and take it off the uh, stalk itself. So dry trim helps me with that. That's my nemesis myself. If I can, I prefer the wet trim. But uh, if I have to, things get backed up, I do start hanging. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then I start cursing right thereafter. And you just see me a little pissy on air or whatever, and I'm trimming. That's, I've definitely got to drive plate of some dry trim in front of me that I some stuff I'm working over there for sure yeah yeah it's, you can't win either way man trimming is trimming boo gotta be done though so is there anybody that uh, you'd like to uh, you know thank or any shout outs you'd like to make before you head out oh man I just uh Definitely a lot of people out there. I just, just want to thank you, my man, uh, for providing the the show and the hangout and the chat crew. Um, you know, I see in many places, but whenever it's on Eagle show, it's home. So big ups. I, I appreciate that. And I enjoy being part of that. Um, but yeah, no, no really shout outs. There aren't any socials uh, uh, that you're going to find me on. I am out there on the forums and uh in the chat so 
if you see me, let's chat, man. I'd love to learn something from you. And I'd love to hang out. So I appreciate the, the atmosphere, brother. Appreciate it. Well, hopefully now that, uh, you know, you've came on and done the gauntlet there, like you have to do to become, jump in that rabbit hole. Now, hopefully you'll be at least, you know, popping in there occasionally saying hello. And you, you know, what's funny about the social media thing is, you know, a lot of, that's, a, I get a lot of shit done on social media. And, um, so when it came to like sending you your invite today, in fact, I, <laughs> I was going to put out, I was going to put out the fucking, you know, normal, uh, advertisement today. And I went to try to bring up like your Instagram and I'm like throwing up rocks and I'm like, shit. And it wasn't working out too well for other people today either. So I'm like, man, what the hell's going on? Then I'm like, as the day's progressing, I'm like, man, I really need to send him a damn info, you know, send him the numbers and shit. So it took me a while of in about an hour of frustration of flipping back and forth from my main account to the show account there on Instagram, you know, searching the name, thinking, you know, because my, my main account's a little funny on pulling people up sometimes but i'm like man shit then it finally hit me oh you you were commuting communicating through email and i'm <laughs> like ah okay okay i got it, i got it. So yeah go through and like search you know throw the name in my email there and search and i'm like bang there it is okay okay i'm on track now i'm on track that's hilarious man and yeah that's true i appreciate it. i'm so old school that uh it was funny the other day with uh with the uh with tommy tricom he's like yeah just hit me up on insta i'm like uh but honestly dude i don't even think my phone's operating system would handle it i don't know i haven't tried <sighs> i did social media professionally for a while fuck I have no, uh, yeah. I, I like the community aspect. I'm not. I'm not that big. I don't have anything to uh, to pump or promote myself. So I'm happily on email. <laughs> Sorry, man. You want to throw that out there in case anybody does want to, or you just want to? They just have to find you in the forums. We gave out a couple of them, I guess, right off the bat there where they could find you, I guess. And Jay, yeah. what was the other one where, yeah, where you're well, available a, couple, a lot? Uh, the one I'm really at a lot is the growroom420.com. That's a great place. I love it. Um, there's another website, the growweedeasy.com. Um, I find a lot of, it's the perfectly named website for beginner growers. So I get a lot of good questions over there. I like to help people there and everybody's a, cool calm and mature so that's that's a great place um but yeah man come back come and find me in the eagle gardens fucking talking shit hangout chat we're we're there i'm there and i'll you know i'm happy to converse with you send me a pm and get you my email and yeah love to talk to everybody anybody appreciate the opportunity they're asking me to keep you going that you're great guys Aww. just wanted to throw that out there if you're not reading chat at all i haven't i uh it's, i they've said a lot of great things about you tonight if, 
Well, thank you, family. Chat. They, have, they have definitely enjoyed this episode. Gave you much props all the way through there. That's for sure. For sure. Thank you, fam. They have thank love you. for you. They have love for you, my friend. That's for sure. Much, much love. And do it again. Uh, it's so weird receiving praise so i hope you don't get weirded out by it but dude i really do enjoy your show and the message that you end with um you know do something nice to somebody uh to go off on kind of a side tangent i know i was wrapping it up here but mental health is something that we don't really talk about in this country and we don't talk about it enough um i'm fortunate to have enough I have a lot of influences from around the world and I consume a lot of media from around the world and I see how much more of a conversation it is around the world, just mental health and, um, you know, just daily life. Sometimes it's a lot. These times are a little bit weird, but the message that you put out at the end of your show, you know, it's just like even a little smile goes a long way. A hello to somebody just all these little things that you can do to make a difference fucking do it man don't be scared it's a great time to be nice to people so yeah praise you know praise you brother for always sticking with that and doing that and i'm going to echo that point and encourage everybody here listening to just go out and do something nice man do it randomly don't tell anybody that you did it do it for yourself and do it for you know do it for the next person that you'll be amazed at how contagious this shit actually is. So thank you for that. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Spiky Pilots wants me to say hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my boy. That's my boy from Germany who should probably be in bed by now. But I appreciate you tuning in, Spiky Pilots. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to I keep trying to get him on to do a spotlight and keep saying, yeah, yeah. But he popped on. If you did, you catch him on uh, Thanksgiving there or Thanksgiving. He popped on during the free for all. Damn and, it! Uh, what out. a great guy. You got to check that one out. It's he's on during the. Uh, I think it's uh, the dank the Thanksgiving like point five. It's the middle version where okay. I opened it up to everybody. He popped in, and uh, he was just so great he was he was very great and pleasure to have he says if i go if i do the same thing christmas he says he'll pop in for christmas yeah. and say hello but he's a good right. dude good dude i yeah, highly so suggest if you missed it to go back and uh, if anything fast forward it until you can uh catch his uh where he enters the the thanksgiving there <laughs> great guy yeah. that's for sure I will do that definitely. I popped in and out a little bit that day, but yeah, I'll go and look for his stuff. And if if you're doing it again, Christmas, I will definitely be trolling and waiting for Spiky Pants to jump on. <laughs> right on. Well, it'd be different for you for day if I go Christmas. You know, I I think we'll probably be gone the same what kind of way where. You know, most of it will be like kind of rabbit holes where you have to be past guests. And then that's the way uh, Thanksgiving was. It was like, you know, two parts were just rabbit hole where you had to be past guests. And then the midday from like noon to six, I opened it up kind of Fumi style. 
and just threw the numbers out there in chat or in the description of the show and anybody that tuned in popped in and uh yeah we had we had some funny moments you know throughout that but it was really cool it was real i was you know i i gave fumador credit man when he first did that shit i was like you're fucking crazy (laughs) 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 you are fucking crazy there was actually one funny moment at least and you know nothing against you know smoking in a small town another good youtuber content maker there but uh i guess blessed he you know he hopefully he's not taking this as again in any kind of bad way but man he came on and he was so baby faced so so baby faced i i you know as soon as he popped on i was like hey man no offense but uh i don't mean to be a dick but are you are old enough to be on this program, right? He was like, God damn it, I'm 35 years old, motherfucker. I'm like, okay, cool. It's the world a blessing and a curse, man. I have some friends that look young and they're like, fucker, I'm 42. But yeah. Oh, oh that's rough. That's rough. But he I was... Guess- he was really good about it and hung out for a little while. Shout out oh, yeah. to you, Smoke in a small town. I'm sure that's not the first time it's happened to him. I mean, when you when you got when you when you're blessed with the looks of youngness, yeah, you probably get get that a few times. I've I've only seen it go bad once. There was another uh, podcast, a uh, Washington State person, and it was the beginning of the show. And I just happened to click on, they had a couple guests on, and then all of a sudden a new box opens and boy, there's the biggest, whitest, palest ass just sitting there shaking. We're like, what? Breeder Steve was on the show. He was actually talking and didn't miss a beat. It was freaking kind of great. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was Breeder funny. Steve was really cool. I had him on too. At that point, well, I still do it, man. Even like tonight when, as you're on, I have, you know, I side by side, I might be able to spin the camera around where you guys can see. It's like, oh no, it just disappears. It's like right here. Yeah. It's side by side chat in like you, the box. You know what I'm saying? So I'm reading chat and I'm watching you usually (laughs) (laughs) Uh, side by side there. And so I'm reading comments, and you know, sometimes and the people in chat are can can be hilarious. And Dr. Buzz Lightyear, I miss you, cat. Uh, he was uh, he's one of the best ones, man. And he would sit there and he would like tag me, comment after comment, just trying to get me to uh, crack, you know, crack a smile. <laughs> and there's been a bunch of times you look back some of them episodes where Dr. Buzz Lightyear's in. Uh, chat there and i am just i almost made my cheek bleed one time <laughs> you know because he's like just going right at me and he's like the episode's going like super serious and he's oh, just like run right after another just making me fucking laugh inside and uh i'm sitting there biting my cheek but uh he so I'm talking to Breeder Steve, and he he gets one through. He's like, uh, boxers of briefs. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. 
And I sneak it in to bring her to Steve, like out of the blue. I'm like, well, you know, inquiring minds want to know, Bruder Steve, boxers and briefs. <laughs> <laughs> and he just played right along, right along <laughs> with it, you know. Well, nothing, of course, man. I'm going fucking oh, Mando and shit. <laughs> and that's fucking, then at the end of the show, you know, I'm like, same thing, you know, same spiel I'll give you. And, you know, hey, you know, the numbers are the same. If you ever want to pop in or, you know, come back, I'd love to have another episode with you. And he's like, yeah, I'd love to come back if you quit sending me them dick pics. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I wasn't expecting it. He me fucking made me laugh right out of the fucking chair there. So the invite, so yeah, this is how that, that this pans out. So he comes back, you know, I asked him to come back uh, well, about a month or so ago, something like that, a month and a half ago. So before the invite, I send him basically a fucking picture of a male kind of just fully flower, you know, busting out nuts and shit. I'm like, so here's your dick pic. You want to come back for another round? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, of course, my friend, of course. He's a great dude, but funny guy. Much funnier than I thought he would be. I thought, you know, I thought he'd be all nice and, you know, serious. But no, definitely a funny guy. Definitely. He he, uh, he definitely has the knowledge and the job where he's got to have that serious side to him. But his dry panness sometimes is what I love. Like, yeah, he he's, he got jokes, but he doesn't necessarily know. You don't know he's delivering them. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, well, that's uh, well. Before you go there, that is very true. The Zoom numbers are always the same. So if you'd ever like to pop in on another rabbit hole or any rabbit hole, uh, please do. Don't hesitate. Don't make me beg. (laughs) (laughs) I think some people actually like, you know, I I throw out that invitation and it's an open invitation. You know, I, I think some people actually wait for, you know, hey, man, you're going to pop in. And it is it's it isn't that way. If you want to. You got the you the power to so you know don't don't wait for the invite feel free to anytime you want to pop in a rabbit hole uh come talk with us please do and the other thing uh, of course uh before you go <clears throat> is i want to get uh your sound bite if you could uh kind of help me with that you know what it is please hopefully oh. Um, yeah oh yeah you know somebody is and from being the music uh, industry good. man I know the drops. Do the drops. All right. So it's 270, right? It's 270, correct. All right. Greetings, groovy people. You are listening to Chad Westport on the fucking Talking Shit with Eagle program, number 270. Kicking it with my main man, Eagle Gardens. It's the place to be. So keep it locked in the future. Thank you. One love, guys. Growers love. Perfect. Perfect. I greatly appreciate it, man. You can tell you had a little bit of uh, audio teaching there, man. That was that just flowed too nice and too perfect, my friend. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. 
Oh, thank you, man. I, I did host podcasts before there was actually video associated with them. But yeah, it's all good, man. Much love. Thank you. Thanks again for the opportunity. And I will definitely jump in some rabbit holes here. I'm a little shy, but uh, I, a lot of a lot of cool people in there I'd love to hang out and talk with. So that'll be fun. I will, will in the future, join you in some rabbit holes. Yeah, you can jump in when you, well, we always need that voice in the background, you know. The only, you know, you, that's another thing, too. There's plenty of people that, uh, you know, you don't feel like you have to show your face. You can always tow it, if you will. I hope you're watching, Tao. Get your box. I, so, yeah, you do have a box. I actually seen on uh, YouTube there, there that we are side by side, you know. That helps. That helps. You know what I mean? I'm glad yeah. that uh, you get that. Uh, so, hell yeah. Oh, all right, I keep from dragging you on, brother. Thank you very much for coming on, and I hope you do, you know, pop into, you know, any rabbit hole, hopefully sooner than later. Cool, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And good evening, chat. Appreciate you guys, too. So one love again. Thank you. Have a good night, my friend. Uh, and that does uh, end out this uh, this episode 270 with Chad Westport. What a great episode. What a great guy he turned out to be. I know I enjoyed every minute uh, of being able to hang out. I actually enjoyed some of these episodes to where, you know, guests like uh, Mr. Westport there hangs out. Because uh, then I got to hang out a little bit behind the scenes and relax a little bit, hang out and chat without it being so disrespectful for my guests. That's a lot of times why I don't hang out in chat is because I don't want to seem all fidgety when I'm talking with my guests. And uh, I think it's a little bit distracting on the host's end and uh, disrespectful. So I try not to do it, but if I can sneak it in, of course I do. But tonight I had the instance where I wasn't uh, actually being looked at. I could actually hang out and chat with you guys a little bit and it was a pleasure i got to listen and hang out and what an awesome night what an awesome gentleman win-win in my book win-win in my book so those of you that do would like to hang out please go ahead and join us in the rabbit hole tonight uh for those of you who don't want to just go ahead and end your night get some rest no worries appreciate you hanging out this long but for the rest of you who want to hang out do some dabs do some live chatting see who pops into the rabbit hole of course it is thursday night i'm sure there's lots of you out there that uh will take me up on that let's do this i'll see you guys in a few minutes give me about 10 minutes yeah, give me about 10 minutes. We'll be back live again by the 224 for sure. So if you get a notification or not, just come check out the channel and know by 220 here, Eastern Standard Time, that uh, I will be live. So check the 20. We'll be back. Hopefully we'll have a bunch of you guys loading back in for the rabbit hole. Thank you very much. If not, you guys know the deal. 
as Mr. Chad Westport said, do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. I'm a living, breathing example of it. Thank you for tuning in.